0: This week on A Lively Experiment, a new look for Providence schools next month, literally and figuratively. And after two decades on the Providence City Council, Luisa Ponte steps down after pleading to criminal charges.
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by.
2: For 30 years, A Lively Experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.
0: Joining us this week, corporate communications consultant Dave Lehman, political contributor Don Roach, and former prosecutor and attorney Eva Marie Mancuso. Hello and welcome to a lively experiment. The new interim superintendent of the Providence School Department is promising big changes come Labor Day, pledging to deploy administrators across the district for the first few weeks of school to monitor what is happening and requiring teachers to greet children each by name every morning. Seems like basic stuff, but the basics have been sorely lacking in Providence for years. Meanwhile, it has been a challenge for union leaders and the media to get inside certain schools to evaluate what kind of shape they are really in. Uh, Eva, what a novel concept, greeting kids by name. It's, it seems like, <laughs> but for Providence, it seems like a big step ahead. You have been texting me as this has been going on, dying to talk. I know you of a former uh, Board, of Chair, uh, Board of Education head. Let's talk about Providence as you view what's been going on since the report came out.
3: Well, first of all, uh, there's nothing new from the report. Uh, This is all the same old, same old, same old. And uh, we've also had the big headlines. Things are going to be different. We're bringing in change. Uh, We're going to start again. We're going to do A, B, and C. Um, no pun intended with the ABCs, but um, uh, so I'm godly optimistic. I mean, I hope that really this time it's, there's going to be changes. Um, but to, to say that now all of a sudden we're going to do something different um, I don't know. We've heard that before. I mean, Commissioner Gist um, was supposed to be the big change agent, right? We're going to hire her. We're going to bring her in. We're going to let her do what she's going to do. Uh, we're going to have a graduation requirement. And we got to the last days and the graduation requirement was pulled. And that's just one example of ways that we in Rhode Island like to make lots of new promises and then don't follow through with anything. So I really hope that uh, there's going to be real change. Um, but I'm, I'm very skeptical.
0: I know you had a statewide focus, but did you hear these horror stories about Providence when you were on the board? Of course you, I did, and I went so, to Providence so, schools and but, I saw
3: what was going on. But So why, why now? Well, let me tell you something. I, at one, and, and it's all on video, I, um, I took on Sue Lucy, who was the superintendent one time, at one of the public meetings, and afterwards, People were like oh my goodness you took on the superintendent of Providence and you called her because all of a sudden she said oh well we really can't have a graduation requirement we don't like the kneecap test now and I took her on for that in public and I had to back off because you know I had teacher unions on my board and other people and uh, even governor Chafee at the time was like Wow, you really gave her a hard time and I'm like of course I gave her a hard time because we're on the we're on the two-yard line and we got four Four downs left, let's go for it. And no, we back up and then we just keep doing it over again. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to get any changes unless we really st- hold fast. Don?
2: Yeah, I actually was going to be a teacher. Uh went to Brown and studied teaching and I did my student teaching at Central High School and while there, made the decision not to teach. And part of the reason was how I felt the administrators were treating the kids in terms of their expectations the Providence school system does not expect our kids to succeed, period. And if anyone tries to argue differently, we've got decades to show otherwise. And so, you know, kind of like Eva was saying in terms of why would this be different now, I don't have a lot of hope unless we get some different people from the outside coming in and overhauling the system, but starting with we expect our kids to succeed. If you don't come in with that expectation, we won't succeed.
3: We used to hear that all the time on the Board of Education. I mean, the the standard is, um, well, you know, they're first generation, or, well, you know, they have it tough at home. Or, well, you know, and I remember saying, you know, I, I'm an immigrant child, you know, my parents, my parents were first generation and nobody said to me, oh, you're you're just a, you know, a young Italian kid, how well are you going to do? People raise the bar and when you raise the bar for children, they succeed. It also, think about the really great teachers that we have as well. If you say teach to the lowest common denominator, how, how enthused are they going to be starting work? you know, in September coming in. So I agree with you, Don. I think that we need an overhaul. We need a, we need a whole overhaul from top to bottom.
1: Agreed. I, uh, I spoke with Nick Heeman, the head of the school board, uh, yesterday about this, asking him some of the very same questions. What, what's different this time around? Uh, and, and I said, you know, who's to blame? I mean, you, you do need to figure out where the problems are. And, and he said, quote, we all drop the ball and uh, he is hopeful he said that this is going to be a change maybe because of the study done by Johns Hopkins University maybe that will make a difference but uh, he said frankly he said a lot of people just bought into the whole problem that it's almost too big to fix uh, that it's uh, some people feel it's not our problem a lot of people don't want to spend the money because they don't have kids in the schools there or it's an older population or the people who live in Providence—I mean, Providence is a minority uh, school system. I think 82% of the students are basically—you know—I don't know—they're all second language learners or whatever. But it's almost like—I really think—as we talk about this—I almost think it's almost a, uh, a discrimination. It's almost like, well, all the tough kids are going to be in Providence. You know, we're just not going to spend the money on it, and you know, somehow or another, they'll—they'll they'll get through one way or the other. But this is really a, a, a tragic, I think a tragic uh, betrayal of our obligation to kids of, regardless of whether they're from, from Portugal, whether they're from, from, from uh, uh, Cambodia, or whether they're from, from uh, Hispanic communities. This is something that I think we owe it to them. And I hope some people will raise the moral issue as opposed to the financial issue. And, and one of the other things that Nick said was too many people have said, this is not our problem it might be the teachers it might be the parents it might be the community at large the taxpayers the union the unions uh and and quite honestly one of the things that's troubled me about this whole thing because you know i've covered the schools ever since 1973 when i came here and one of the problems that i really feel that 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 we we have here is that the unions are in there the union teachers i'm not blaming the union teachers by the way but they have a role in this they they see this every day they are the adults in the classroom they do see mice droppings they do see leaky roofs and all of that and i often remember back when they used to be able to strike uh, over wages and things like that which they no longer can they would go out over over wage issues this is Human safety, public safety, this is kids who
0: could have asthma uh, problems because of mold this is really public safety. I also wonder you said Nick Heeman said it's so big to tackle so what I like Fran Gallo and Fran Gallo's been around the block she yeah. was in she was in um well she's been in East Greenwich Jamestown and it mm-hmm. was in Providence before she went to Central Falls you know the basic stuff we talked about it at the beginning greeting each name by ch- child by name which seems basic but deploying administrators get them out of the office go into the schools and then doing specific things like let's re- maybe a cell phone policy let's reinforce you start little by little by little incrementally maybe that's the way to do it instead of thinking this huge thing that we have to tackle
3: how about if we just ask the people in the building because what i found when i was chair of the board and i'd go in and i i would talk to teachers or i would meet with administrators they can tell you who the best teachers are in the building and they'll they can tell you who the teachers are that need to find a new opportunity and so um, why not why not go into the schools and and really go back to each individual school and go from there? Um, the other thing that bothers me also is it's not a financial issue Dave. Um, so in anybody that says that it is, it's it's just a big lie because we spend more per, per, per pupil in Providence than we do really you know, that they do in Massachusetts and in And we as statewide community.
2: taxpayers right. are yeah. paying a lot. Right, really.
3: right, so we spend the money already. It's how the money is allocated and how it's spent on the child. You know, we also need to meet kids where they're at. If you have kids that are second language learners coming in, that's what we need to do. We need to bring in aides mm-hmm. and people that can talk to the children in the language that they speak in so that make them feel comfortable and at home.
2: And also empower kids. Expect more from them. My, my kids actually recently, um, this past year, are starting to go to a uh, Catholic school, and we're in a good school system, but we thought the expectations of even that school system weren't high enough for our kids, and so put them into this school, and the expectations were a lot higher, and they performed a lot better, and they're English-language speakers, but they were learning Spanish and uh, learning Spanish with kids who had been learning Spanish for years, and so they had to catch up. Um, and they had to work hard to catch mm-hmm. up. Where I feel like we fail, especially in Providence, is that we don't set the expectation to the students and we don't give them the resources to help them catch up to some of the other students to meet that kind of like standard proficiency. And that's what we have to do. We have to start telling these kids, you have opportunity. You know, you're here, you're in school, and this is where you're gonna learn and grow and, and go and do and do great things. We don't think that way, and we don't talk to the kids that way. And, well, and
3: when you say the word charter school, everybody jumps up. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But you know what? Mm-hmm. They, are, uh, they are just a testament to what can be done. When you raise expectations, you lengthen the school day, you put kids in uniform, you start, you start really expecting the whole package. It's not just one thing. And parental involvement as well um teacher involvement um, after schools and what have you we have the recipe it's there in the charter schools now we just need to make it work in our public education do you
0: want the final word on that
1: no not really i i think uh i think just the exasperation of what's happened there uh, again we could have had this conversation on the first day that lively experiment went on the air and, and unfortunately the conversation would not be much different and i think that's a shame of this whole thing and i hope people like nick heman and, and some of the other people who are dedicated to making this work and i and i hope that the teachers unions will also uh... uh be part of this and because there are always going to be differences about how the best way it is to go on this but i think empowering the the, uh, the principals as well to to be able to run their own system My only concern is a lot of these people have been so entrenched in the system, they're so demoralized, are they going to have the energy and the desire uh... and maybe even the talent to be able to rise to the challenge just
0: finally one just one minute before we move on the new commissioner comes on and and i talked about this last week providence has sucked so much air out of the room she's got to worry about the state too and i wonder your thoughts as having sat in that chair as she comes in being able to walk chew gum at the same time and what you know the state has issues as well and and the challenge she faces it seems to be all providence now any thoughts on that
3: my thought is that, um, well, yeah, I could, Get up do, earlier. I, I, I could do, you know, I could do 12 hours on this because right, I try did, to confine your... I spent four years on it. Right. Um, the state is, um, is a big problem as well. Okay. It's a big problem. We'll, leave it, that. That, we'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Well, that may be it's what, what it's lively yeah. on
2: caught later. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, no, I, I just wanted to address something that Dave said in terms of who dropped the ball. To me... I want everybody in the room to say, who cares who dropped the ball? The ball has been dropped. Yeah, right. What do we do now? And let's come together, unions, teachers, administrators, students, and let's figure this out. Like, let's forget about the past because we know we suck. Mm-hmm. But now let's look to the future and how can we, you know, create a system where where kids can su- succeed. The a, first on step
1: no- is
0: acceptance, on, Right.
1: On, on a note of op- optimism here on, that, on that point, I think that... Uh, we may be at that point. I think, I think everybody may be so embarrassed profoundly by this that there's no second chance after this. So it may very well be that we may have reached that point where there is uh, sort of this rapprochement going on
0: and they're going to work through it. We know public embarrassment, particularly in the media, yeah. is a uh, driving force. All right, it's a bit, a of, bit of a rough ride for the governor this week. The IGT contract continues to uh, uh, every day. Kathy Gregg is breaking uh, new things about uh, donations uh, and uh, the no-bid contract. Plus, her, uh, the governor's had some low poll numbers nationally, her PUC nominee is pulled out. So this is not all about the governor, but the IGT thing has just been a thorn in her side. But I wondered what she was thinking, Dave, 20-year no-bid contract in a technology field where things are changing rapidly.
1: Uh, that was the same feeling that I had when I first read about it. The other thing that troubles me about this, this is a very complicated issue. Uh, it involves two lottery giants, uh, uh, certainly IGT, which is the, the, big, uh, the big kahuna. Uh, the concern that I have about this, and I people will roll their eyes when, when they say this, this almost, to me, almost looks like we didn't learn a lesson from Kurt Schilling's situation. Here you got, we're, we're sort of like putting our eggs in one basket without a whole lot of thought. It was dropped on the legislature almost uh, at, the, at the 11th hour, and there was very little discussion of it. There will be more discussion because of all the issues that you've just brought up. I just don't know why you would ever have. I would never sign a contract as an anchorman. I wouldn't sign a contract for 20 years because I may not want to be able to do it for 20 years. I might not be able to do it for 20 years, or I might not do it well for 20 years. The same thing with with with, with the with the my, my company you don't do anything for twenty years especially in technology which changes so much and the fact is it it isn't fair and I think Gina Raimondo was probably trying to do the right thing she saw a thousand jobs guaranteed essentially for high high, high, uh, pay uh, for all these people that is a good thing but you know what you don't I think she really sold this thing sold the
2: state away on this without doing due diligence well not yet so I had similar feelings as Dave until I went back and saw that, you know, Don Kachiri basically did the same thing back in 2003. There was no bid 20-year contract for GTEC uh, back then. Um, and so for me, it's more of a, a Rhode Island problem than a Gina Raimondo problem. Um, I just think, why can't we have other people bid on this process. I'm not as concerned about the 20 years, um, but I'm more concerned about that we just don't just didn't make it a competitive process and she did the same thing that Governor Kachiri did 16 years ago. And at
0: the end of the day, IGT may be the company. She had said, look, Twin River doesn't sure. really do this and mm-hmm. they do that. But it, when you catch the speaker by surprise, that's not yeah. a good look, right? And
3: that's, and that's where I, I was going to come into it. Now, I don't believe it's a Rhode Island problem. I, I think that that's that's more of what the way people talk about its Rhode Island what have you and I don't know if it was the best deal the problem is always the transparency piece you know if you're going to have something that big and that involved and you have a speaker who's very Thoughtful. I mean, he is not the kind of guy who shoots from the hip. Uh, he's the kind of guy who wants to sit down, look at the plan, let's analyze it, let's have hearings, let's talk about it, even if it's behind the scenes. You're not going to negotiate a contract in public, but to not have the speaker involved in it and you need legislative approval, that to me just shows the arrogance of this governor. And that's what bothers me about the whole thing. Not only the transparency, but the arrogance. We don't really need the legislature. Well you got to look
0: at where, who's who's going to approve it, you yeah. know?
3: So that's the big part of it that I look at and say, you know, it doesn't isn't she learning her lesson? She's in her second term. Yeah. You it, cannot do these things it, behind the scenes. Alan
0: Hassenfeld, who was, who is offered to pay for an independent yeah. to, to come in, he made, you know, look, he, he was in a business where, I mean, things were changing virtually week to week, month to month, the toy business. He said who knew what 3g was in 2000 right think right. about that right. and what's going to be the next big right. thing
3: and who's going to be the new people on the block you know what about our our bright kids that are coming out of school right now um that are URI going to PC that, yeah. you know brown what have you just even right here in Rhode Island that might have some new new uh, innovative thing that comes out i you know like dave said
1: Uh, Don, I've got to take you you on on this. I I think that kind of thinking you have is dangerous thinking, to be frank with you, because what that means is we never learn. If Don Krechiri did it in 2003, and I'd have to think about the circumstances back then, uh, I can't imagine that it it was really a good idea back then to do that. If we say, well, it, it was done before, so we shouldn't be so troubled that it's being done again. And, and again, I bring up the Curt Schilling thing. Did, did we learn anything from that? Putting all your eggs in one basket without opening it up, and, and so forth. I think, I think there's some basic fundamentals here that when you have a huge contract with a lot of money and a lot at stake. Remember, gambling is our third biggest source of re, of uh, revenue in this state. You can't. Uh, you just can't throw that out for for one company. You want to get. I think Spectrum is another one that's a big company. If I got the name right, uh, that they, they probably would would have wanted to have gotten in on this. They may have uh, given a better deal. But
0: I think we Dom don't made, know. Dom may not be as troubled as not as surprised.
2: Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah. not sure it's
0: the I, trouble I, factor. Yeah, it's well, here yeah. we go again,
2: right? I, mm. I'm troubled by the no bid process, right. but not surprised by it. And and I'm not going to get up in arms uh, over Gina Raimondo about this and saying you know all of the kind of you know, you know, fundraising connections and all that stuff when Don Kancheri literally did the same exact thing. I think we've got to just hold our officials more accountable. And to Eva's point, what's really troubling is that the, the governor and the speaker are not on the same page. At all on this, um, and when you when you hear uh, Mariela's comments, um, it just tells you what's going on behind the scenes. And Raimondo feels the arrogance because she can not do it. Is the speaker going to come out against this? Is this going to get voted down? I, I I doubt it. So
3: what's uh, I don't got- think she's ar- he's arrogant. I think she's arrogant. No, yeah. I think mm. that she the idea you've been working with this guy for five years. Okay, you're in your second term. You've been working with him. You know what's to come. At some point in time, you learn the dance. Like you wouldn't
0: think this was going to be a problem right. for him. Like, right.
3: like all of a right. sudden, the, the last day, you drop it on, on the legislature and say, approve it. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, how, and, uh, how has that worked for you in the past? Quickly, it's,
1: it's political naivete, because he's more powerful than she is. I mean, uh, institutionally, the at government. At the end of the day. Uh, at the end of the day, the Speaker of the House basically r- really runs the state. And to not bring him in on this or her, if there ever is a her, there will be, uh, you, you should be able to, you, you need to sit down and, and work
2: through that. That's just part of go- good government or good business, frankly. But it's not going to stop this deal. You know, I mean, that's, you know, she feels empowered to do this because the deal isn't going to be stopped, even though she brought in Mattiella at the last second.
0: All right. Providence uh, Councilman Luis Saponte, probably to nobody's surprise, played uh, no contest uh, to embezzlement charges. We were talking off camera a little bit about disagreement about, you, Dave, you take issue with Peter Narona's approach to this, and then even from the prosecutor, we'll bring you in a second, but, but what were some of your concerns well, about no jail time?
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the concern that I have, first of all, I think I have all the respect in the world for Peter Narona, so it's not a personal thing at all. I think he's terrific, and he's a great contrast to the previous uh, holder of that job. I just was surprised that there wasn't any jail time. Uh, you know, the amount of money was not serious. It was 13000 almost $14,000 that he embezzled. But here was a guy, again, a power figure. This guy was, was president of the, leader, of the council. Le- yeah, leadership. Uh, you know, we've already had you know, Kevin Jackson, who was also part of his leadership team. He's in jail. Uh, it seems to me that even if the money was not great, it was when you contribute to somebody's political campaign. Uh, they are supposed to use that money for political activities, not to buy Netflix subscriptions and and, uh, store-bought items for your own personal use. If you have that money in that and you've got people contributing to you and you're a powerful figure, people could could be giving you that money. You're taking it. You're abusing that money. It's illegal what you're doing with it. You get more people to contribute to you. Now they become a funding source for your own private life and you're going to, you're certainly going to have some. That's going to have some impact on your decisions if that person who's funding you the money, and what you're going to do in terms of favoritism for them, and nobody else out there knows that you've got this connection on financially. The other,
0: on the other side, the attorney general did say it, he wanted a felony conviction, right, which he keeps got him it. from, and he also wanted him to resign, and that was part of the deal. Put on your prosecutor's hat. I, I
3: think he did absolutely the right thing with the facts before him. Um, it was his money. Um, you can call it political money, whatever, but he didn't take any public money. He didn't abuse the public trust to get the money. Uh, they were political do- donations that he converted to his own use. And the fact that he leveraged the position to get him to resign, I think, was terrific. Um, so he's done, and he's got the felony conviction so he can never run again, and I think, think that's important. would have important.
0: had a hard time getting a jail.
3: Uh, absolutely and it's
0: before judge absolutely with sentencing
3: absolutely because because you know what's coming out of it like I said if you look at it it's not Kevin Jackson's situation no, it's Kevin's not worse. right worse. it's not well it's it's money that was given to him right. and you know I think if you ask a political contributor if they give fifty bucks if they care if they get a haircut with it or if they use it for a campaign brochure most people are not gonna care they're giving to that candidate and um, I think that um the Attorney General leveraged his position and did a great job to get the result that he did, and that, well, you know, Luis Aponte is gone from our political spectrum for the rest of his life.
2: So I agree that I think the Attorney General did a good job, but I don't agree that Luis Aponte didn't abuse the public trust because the the donations were to his campaign. I do care if a candidate uses funds for his, own pers- his or her own personal use, um, but I do think that Nerona uh, actually got a really good deal, and I, th- I think it's going to deter others. Uh, I, at least I hope that it will deter others, because if someone else does the same thing, I think actually they'll, they'll receive a more harsh penalty. I don't think we—I
1: <laughs> disagree with you. I, it seems to me that nobody ever learns from this. You look at Buddy Cianci. Here's a guy who ran we the city. We have to? No, no, no but, but we should, because that, that d- didn't, didn't change Kevin Jackson and what he did, another powerful councilman. He's behind bars. You've got you know, uh, uh, this case that we're talking about here with Luis Saponte. He apparently didn't learn from anything. And I think the journal had an interesting point uh, in their editorial page when they said the other day, what does this particular lesson teach kids? That if you if you basically misuse money, uh, as a politician, you don't go to jail. You get jail. a slap on the wrist. Yeah.
0: whereas... If you if you do something to, you convenience steal from store, a convenience store. Yeah, yeah, you, you're going to serve time. All right, we got to hold it there. We've uh, let's we have a couple more minutes for uh, outrageous. Are you outraged this week, or do you have a I keto? am
3: not outraged. Oh, you always have a keto. Come on. Oh, please go ahead. In the room where it happened. Oh, come the on. Room where it happened. <laughs> I. I am so proud of the Rhode Island arts community, not just for Hamilton. But Newsies at Theater by the Sea, The GAM, uh, Trinity. I have season tickets everywhere. Wow. Um, and this week was particularly fun for me because I got to see Newsies on Sunday and I got to see Hamilton on Wednesday. And just to see people in the community come out and support the arts, um, yeah, that was it was a great week for, for me. And I think that Rhode Island really has done a great job uh, in attracting the arts. Not only that, but um, AS220 and all of the other um I would say you know second tier of in terms of the pu- pu- um, publicity side, um, great group. All right, uh, I,
1: also throw throw in the uh, you know the folk festival and the
2: jazz. festival
3: Oh, absolutely, as well. absolutely. All right. absolutely. You
0: got about forty five seconds each. Don, what would you like?
1: Sure, to
2: Sure, my outrage of the week is with uh, our president, uh, Mr. Trump. Um, I've been able to vote for president since nineteen ninety six. I have never voted for a Democrat, but in 2020, I just might, uh, because I think he is that dangerous to uh, our society. I really do. Did you vote for him in 2016? I did not. I I wrote in Bob Dole. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you, well, I gotta tell you, I've told this story too. It's the first time in my adult life, we're about the same age, that I couldn't vote for either one. I just, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. I think that's one of the reasons oh, Trump is a I lot of a Hillary, those.
3: I was a Hillary Delegate delegate. Yeah. I'm,
0: yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Dave, you've got a minute.
1: Uh, a, a quick one. And you'll, you'll probably like this in, in a certain way. Uh, this is a kudo. Uh, Ocean State Job Lot uh, stepped in and rescued uh, a building that was very near and dear to the North Kingstown folks, the West Bay. Uh, YMCA. It closed for financial reasons. Ocean State Job Lot, a tremendous contributor to this community, uh, went in and bought it and they are renovating it and they are going to turn it into a health and wellness yeah. facility for their employees and well. for the residents of North Kingstown. Uh, and uh, I tip of the hat to them because they are, they, they never tell people what they do for the community. They support Trinity Rep, Make-A-Wish Foundation, well-known for the Rhode Island Food Bank. and So here's a really good corporation in this uh, this state, headquartered kind of in North quiet,
0: Kingstown. kind of quietly getting
1: it done. Yep. They, yeah, they believe you should, you should give without remembering and take without forgetting.
0: All right, that's a good note to end on. Folks, thank you for joining us this week. It is a fast 30 minutes. Dave, good to see you. Don, good to have you back. Eva, as always, she's going to be singing and dancing after the show. <laughs> Folks, we uh, appreciate your joining us. We'll have all of the latest next week. Come back next week as the Lively Experiment continues. Have a great week.
1: experiment is generously underwritten by.
2: For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr. and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.